Hello everyone, my name is Seth Showalter, and welcome to the Brain Train Podcast. I'm Zach, I'm here. <laughs> what are we doing today? We're talking about books. I like books. <laughs> yeah, so, so Zachary, what is the most recent book that has grazed your eyes? Grazed my eyes? Yeah. Well, I just have to pick one off my shelf. Um... I think Target Earth is the most recent one. I actually just looked at a book and went, huh, yeah, that's a good book. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very obscure book, but um, uh, I really like it. It's a, you know the person who wrote Pilgrim's Progress? Mm -hmm. um, he had an unfinished book um, in a similar sort of style as Pilgrim's Progress where uh, the Christian life is abstracted as like a city and the way that Satan comes after it is like a siege. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's very interesting. It deals with a lot of like how life comes at you type stuff mm -hmm. in that sort of medieval uh, abstraction that I find really cool. But Target Earth is a sort of childhood novelization of that where some some other like uh, like elementary book, not elementary in the writing skill, but um, writes young adult uh, fiction writer mm -hmm. kind of filled in the gaps with what John Bunyan had uh, had written and finished the book and published it. And that's probably the most recent one I've looked at and gone, huh, yeah, I remember that one. Mm -hmm. But um, not the most recent one I've read. What is the most recent book you've read? Good question. It's probably been one related to work. <laughs> Actually, no, no. If we're including just audiobooks as well, then uh, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Mm. highly recommend that book it is fascinating and compelling as well the story is very interesting and it's a very dialogue driven book but it's about how a character who is in hell uh takes a bus ride into heaven and there's a, there's a whole bus full of these people from hell mm. and they're allowed to go into heaven and they can stay if they want but most of these characters end up desiring hell and end up getting back on the bus to go back to their home where they came from. Because when they get to heaven, they are basically like ghosts. They can't interact with the world. They, the, the blades of grass poke them in the feet because they, they can't interact with the world. Mm. Um, when they, they can walk on top of water because they're basically like nothing and the water is a solid to them. And so it's a very challenging atmosphere for them, but there are many angels who interact with them in heaven and all of them are encouraging them, the ghosts, to walk towards the mountain and to come deeper into heaven and see what we've got. But many of the ghosts from hell are, are very resistant to that idea because they want to cling to what is comfortable in, in their physical realm or mental, mentally. And so one of the parts that I thought that was very fascinating about that book was there's one part where a couple of the characters describe going to visit Napoleon. And uh, he was pacing his floor back and forth in his house, just listing the names of all the people whose fault it was. You know, it's so-and-so's fault. It's this person's fault. It's this person's fault. And that unwillingness to let anything go had driven him to far far away from the bus station where he could have gone to heaven if he wanted so i to me the most most impactful lesson from it i think was that our unforgiveness is really what takes us to the depths of hell if we let it but it's done in such a way that i think really helps you to re-examine yourself and your own attitudes through the lens of many other characters who are who are very compelling yeah. It sounds a little bit like uh, C.S. Lewis's version of, like, Dante's Inferno. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Where it's, like, going through hell and seeing, like, how bad things get. Now, Dante's Inferno is a lot different. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've always found those books that are, like, not necessarily allegorical, but, like, going through uh, um, those different sort of environments... And going like, well, what would this be like? And uh, what is the what is the thing holding us back from this type of books? Mm -hmm. um, they're they're very 
interesting to read because they always have this tendency to really talk about the conceptual level mm-hmm. of all of the decisions each character makes, which is really, really helpful. Um, I found it really, really helpful when I was an, a newer reader and actually going like, what am I reading? What mm-hmm. is the big like point um, to, to what the story is about? I found those types of books super helpful in kind of being more blunt about this is the point. Um, and I've sort of taken that over into, into reading fantasy books. But uh, those things still kind of cross over from time to time where you have, even in a non-allegorical book, they're being like, this is the point. This is why this is a bad decision this character is doing, or this is why this is a good decision, and this is how these people are being held back from each other. It's normally done through dialogue instead of mm-hmm. monologue, though. That's the main difference I've seen. Mm-hmm. Eh. Yeah, I really think that books are powerful in that way that they can convey a message through the eyes of a character instead of through the voice of a sermon, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's always better when you can describe something through someone else's experience because it's way more grounding mm-hmm. than just saying that's dumb mm-hmm. don't do that <laughs> because whenever you say that's dumb don't do that most people hear okay well i don't know if that's dumb so i'm gonna do that uh-huh. uh, that's that's kind of what happens next but being able to show like if you do this these are the things that will happen and then you will realize that it's a bad decision Um, is always kind of a better story structure. It also makes things more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Drama. Drama makes things a lot more interesting, even if your point is, don't do this. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of psychologists or or people revered in psychology who've written books like that, that kind of explore, like, why is this bad? Mm -hmm. Um, That have been very interesting to sort of look at how they formulate that. Mm-hmm. What do you think the most challenging book that you've ever read has been? Or and give me you know maybe three if you if you can't narrow it down to one. I know that I'm gonna go over my one limit on this one. Challenging book or most useless book? No 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 no. So challenging in the way of um, forces you to reconsider your previous assumptions. Not oh. not in the way of useless yeah okay so uh, there's one that stands out among the rest and that's the first book of the darth bane trilogy Hmm. that one was a really big one for me because it it's from the perspective of the villains and it doesn't really pull punches with the villains being villains Mm -hmm. and so you're kind of rooting for this awful person the whole time Mm -hmm. and it's it's it was a very surreal experience for me relating to somebody who's doing bad things especially when i was younger kind of going oh i guess i am capable of following the same train of thought and i don't want to become this Mm. was sort of what i thought that that was a big one for me Mm -hmm. um highly recommend that you don't have to read the other two they're they're good too but um the the first one was really good at, at accentuating that point of like bad people sometimes have have solid justifications for being bad mm-hmm. um so yeah it's fascinating that your most challenging book is actually a fictional book i think that that's interesting because i think most people's default answer would be like oh you know this you know power of habit encouraged me to nail down some habits into my life even though i was a super sloppy person before that but i think that it's interesting the the ability to perceive and pick up lessons from fictional works as well because i think that in the same way that we pick up lessons from fictional books we can pick up lessons from real life and in a sense that might be a more useful skill to have yeah i've always been kind of a plan c person so there's plan a which is you learn by succeeding there's plan b which is you learn by failing and there's plan c which is you learn by watching other people either succeed or fail mm-hmm. um so books like that where i can watch or or listen to somebody go through events that i'm not going through have always been kind of that mechanism for me to go is this stupid or is this not stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> to do and, and they made me think for a long time but there are a lot of life advice books out there that are all much more to the point and like do this don't do that do this don't do that and they they have some pretty solid advice too mm-hmm. um but yeah 
I've always been fascinated by kind of the lived experience aspect of of what books have to offer. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, my most challenging books actually are probably nonfiction books. Um, what comes to head immediately is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, which is just a, a, a an incredible recantation of his story and his mindset which the guy is incredible like he when he was getting uh, his his seal training he had broken shins and ended up like taping his legs and then running you know gauze over it and then taping that again so that he could actually do all of this running while his shins were broken and his whole thing was the just the mindset of you can't hurt me and how they would get under the skin of the seal instructors and then how that can be applied in our day-to-day lives. And so I am definitely someone who likes to be comfortable a bit too much. And so that was definitely a stretching book for me, but I think that I benefited from it quite a bit. And then I think that, man, it's hard to narrow it down because a lot of the books that I've read have been really good for me. But I think that the one that I'd have to go with is Living Life Backwards by David Gibson, which is about, it's a a breakdown of the book of Ecclesiastes. And he talks about, and and really redefines the book, or redefined the book for me during that time. Because at the time that I read the book, Ecclesiastes was already one of my favorite books of the Bible. uh, Because, and, and for a different reason, I think I was a little bit more angsty with it at that time. But it was always talking about how life is meaningless. And I was like, heck yeah, life is meaningless. You know, just kind of adopting that mindset. And what he really pushes forward is that, no, it's not actually life is meaningless. It's life is vanity. Life is a breath. And so in the context of everything else that we are doing, it is important to recognize its frailty. But then in the end, he brings he brings everything back into going, okay, and you also have to realize life's significance and that this really is a gift that we get to experience kind of in the context of it makes the gift sweeter knowing that it's actually going to end. Yeah. Ecclesiastes has always been that book that I'm like, do we really, do we really have to go <laughs> all the way down into the, into the, oh, Ecclesiastes is my favorite the, the groveling, oh. Oh, everything is awful type, <laughs> type mentality. Because, like, it's valuable. It's really mm-hmm. valuable to see just how bad things can be and realizing, like, there's no point to doing anything if there's no, like, higher point to doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no point from vicariously because of my existence. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that I'm using the word correctly there. But um, there's no point in my own essence that makes life meaningful except food and staying alive and that is a really depressing thing to go through when you don't have a higher kind of understanding of like well what should i do like an understanding of good Mm -hmm. what what is my calling is another good one uh things like that where you're trying to figure out like what is the thing i enjoy doing and could do for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. is all stuff that is really good to um to hone in on and find a little bit of that fulfillment in Ultimately, fulfilling fulfillment is only really found in, uh, in God and your true calling. But like hobbies and stuff like that are also very supplemental to having a less depressed <laughs> kind of state of being that Ecclesiastes keeps talking about. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Especially after after reading the book, I'd kind of push back against that Ecclesiastes is advocating like a a depressed mentality which i think that it is easy to interpret it as that especially with our modern translations that translate it as everything is meaningless um but especially after reading the the living life backwards book i think that what i kind of walk away from the mindset that i walk away with is that life is short life is a breath it's here and it's gone and in and of itself if it was to exist in and of itself yeah it would be meaningless but it doesn't exist in and of itself it exists in the context of the end of life which 
which is which is God. God is there, you know? Yeah. And so life does not just end in and of itself. It ends, and then we experience God's judgment for the things that we do. And Ecclesiastes talks about that. He will judge us for every thing we do, every you know, every secret thing and every known thing as well. If I remember correctly, I'm butchering that verse. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that it was a very profound way to think about life in the context of yes it's short and yes contained in itself it it could be meaningless but because it is not contained in itself and because god will judge us for everything we do everything that we do in this breath of a life actually has quite a bit of significance and so but but then also the teacher encourages us encourages us not to overthink that because he still says, eat, drink, be merry. Like, you know, <laughs> like do the things that you love to do. But realize that in and of itself, it's frail, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like hobbies aren't the thing that fulfill you. Like mm-hmm. having going to parties, having a good time with your friends, all of that aren't the fulfilling thing. But they are supplemental factors in an already fulfilled life, mm-hmm. I think is the, the proper kind of framework to put in there of like, it's good to have a good time with people. As long as you're already living a life that's capable of having a good time, mm-hmm. um, because it's v- it doesn't work the other way around. If you're if you're in a sort of more depressed state, doing those things isn't joyful anymore, and that's kind of the 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 butt up of those two things. So Ecclesiastes, I agree with you, doesn't say everything is awful, be depressed, <laughs> quite like like as its definitive point Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it says those things like if you're this way it's gonna it's not gonna be fun um and it kind of points out like you need god basically but um the 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 greater point beyond that is fulfillment kind of compounds on itself Mm -hmm. um in the same way that misery kind of compounds on itself Mm -hmm. um and so like misery loves company is a common like thing people say mm-hmm. where like misery likes to make the things around it more miserable and then it gets more miserable because the things around it are more miserable i think the same thing happens with happiness and joy to an extent mm-hmm. you can have that infectious sort of uh happiness even in situations that aren't terribly like above average or mm-hmm. or even happy at all it's a dispositional thing i think at the end of the day and i do think ecclesiastes points out sort of that that mindset difference that's really important mm-hmm. what do you and this is this is definitely going to be a repeat for me but <laughs> what is the most recommended book you've you've ever read recommended to you from other people and then i'd also like to hear what book have you recommended the most to other people yeah um the most recommended book i've read like just recommended to me internet um, internet, internet recommendations and talking to the people who've read it, like, yeah, they recommend it, would be Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson, which mm-hmm. is another fantasy book. Um, I, I've, I listened to it on a non-sponsored website that everybody <laughs> probably knows about. If they wanted to sponsor us, great. Um, and uh, it was With all really... of our 20 listeners so oh, far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're a valuable investment. But uh, it was a decent book. I, I really enjoyed kind of the heist, heist fantasies uh, setting. Mm-hmm. Like like it's kind of like a fa- not quite like Fast and Furious, but um, it's kind of like a Ocean's Eleven fantasy book. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one of those type things. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. Would I say it had a ton of like deep meaning behind it? Not really. It had some good points and it has some good. Um, like situations that talk about like uh, trauma and processing like uh, how to move past things in your past. It does talk about that a little bit. Mm. Um, the book I have recommended people read the most is uh, I've recommended Target Earth a, a lot. Um, not because I'm like it's the best read ever, mm. but because I'm like the way it's abstracted is super helpful mm. to actually conceptualizing and understanding like this is what like. The, this is the things kind of assaulting your senses at any given point mm-hmm. and, and how those things can kind of take hold without you realizing. It abstracts that super well. Um, but I've also recommended Darth Bane a lot to people who are trying to figure out like emotional, like emo- either emotional damage 
emotional control or like getting that sort of deeper understanding of what you think about things because that's not always straightforward. Mm-hmm. I've always recommended that book because you hear what he's thinking and then you see what he does because he thought it. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, that's always been the like, oh, I could think that thing and I don't want to do that thing. Right. Um, so that has always been a book that I've kind of recommended to people who are kind of stuck in that place of like, either I don't know what I'm feeling or I don't know how to, st- how to prevent myself from acting on what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Both of those, I've, I've always pushed that forward and gone like, this is a good book in just giving you the words to figure it out and mm-hmm. seeing what happens when you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a warning slash it's really helpful in giving you the words to put to those emotions. Mm -hmm. I think that it's fascinating to hopping back to the whole fictional books thing again. I think that it is fascinating to draw that much uh, deep thought from, from books like that, because I think that most of the time, a lot of the popular, uh, get her done atmosphere the the your, your pop, popular business culture these days is going oh read power of habit read how to Inf- win friends and influence people which are great books oh yeah but i think that um there's there's a, an interesting absence of fictional books from that but again i think that it's fascinating to be drawing things like that from from a fictional book that i think i think that we could all really benefit from with with that kind of thought being put into discernment of fictional books becoming more common yeah there's there's always that little aspect of a fictional book that's like technically all these characters are just one person's perspective Mm -hmm. um even if they're mimicking multiple perspectives on people like they might have gotten advice but ultimately there's one writer um Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe two, but normally there's just one. And so you can always not only get a decent look at like, okay, this is how they think about like people, mm-hmm. but also they, you get a really, and I, I can't really stress this enough, you get a super detailed and well thought out processed in a good book view on immense amounts of conflict and pain and um, mm. like... All of the horrible things that people can do to each other can be done much can be done and processed much more easily in a fantasy book than somebody writing a life advice book on how to like like a veteran writing a book on like Vietnam or something. Those are great books and those books kind of stick with you when you read them. But you can you can kind of distance yourself from the horror of it mm-hmm. and the realization that this happened to real people and still get through the. This is how people come to these conclusions. These are the circumstances in which people are capable of doing horrendously evil things. And you get to see a myriad of ways that that can happen, whether that be general lust for power or um, wanting to do the right thing and just not being tired of people in their way. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a book called Shadow of the Conqueror that's all about um, basically most evil, horrible, awful, evil dictator person uh, trying to then turn from that and be a good person mm-hmm. after like a whole lifetime of doing mm-hmm. bad things. And basically it goes super deep into like, how do you apologize for that? How mm-hmm. do you go? I legitimately don't want to do that anymore. I understand I've done awful things. How on earth did you actually repay any of that? Mm-hmm. And th- the book is really good and you should read it, but it really points at like, unforgiveness is a huge problem and guilt for guilt for doing horrible things is can also be a huge problem Mm -hmm. um but these this is the thing that i think you can play with a lot better in a fantasy story than you can in a real life or historical fiction just because you you can get away with adding elements to accentuate the point like a magic system that is based on people's emotions Mm -hmm. like star wars Mm -hmm. where depending on how you interact with it you either hone in on one thing or the other and so like the jedi sometimes get way too stuffed up because they don't feel anything and the sith often just go way off the handle because they aren't in control of their own emotions um and you get to see the extremes and that is super helpful to it's super helpful to know what the extremes are basically Mm -hmm. 
because fantasy can really ground you in those extremes i think a lot more viscerally at least for me than a lot of like 12 rules for life stuff Mm -hmm. like it's it's really good and it's really solid advice but there's not that emotional i've seen somebody try to do this impact behind it Mm -hmm. um then again 12 rules for life but a fantasy story (laughs) come on jordan you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Might need uh, chat GPT to assist there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, give him a basic outline. Have Write hero- 12 rules for life, but in a fictional fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it might actually do a good job. It probably would, actually. Um, I, I've read a couple things chat GPT has actually like put out, and it's not the worst. The The way I describe it is, is like, it's like a six-year-old wrote it with the word choices. But the, the plotting, the structure, it's actually there. And that's the, that's the crazy part. Um, but yeah, yeah, chat GTP is crazy. My favorite thing is that you can feed it absolutely ridiculous stuff and it will take it seriously in the story. So <laughs> my favorite prompt that I ever fed it was, tell me a story about a man who smells something so bad that his nose falls off and he has to eat it. and it made an absolutely ridiculous story of a guy who did just that (laughs) and it was beautiful (laughs) and i had a lot of fun reading it yeah there's been a lot of like pickup on like streamers and other people like going like we're gonna auto generate a story and fight each other and they they, fight their twitch chat or whatever it's it's crazy the, the amount of things that, that it's capable of now. AI's come a long way. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first thing that I've really been blown away by when it comes to AI. Yeah, that and art. Yeah. Art yeah, that too. Up. Good grief. Yeah. That's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> and terrifying. <laughs> it doesn't always get noses correct or eyes. <laughs> it doesn't quite understand eyes. <laughs> to reel us back into the books, though, um, let me think. Talking about the, the most recommended book that... I've read. You mentioned a couple. Yeah. Highly recommended books. Yeah, probably probably How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. So many people I know have just talked about how wonderful that book is, and it probably deserves a second read or listen on my part, actually, because it's been a long time since I've read that book. I was a teenager when I read it, and so I need to go back to that one. And... and, uh, power of habit also actually <laughs> the two businessy books lots, oh, yeah. lots of people love those books oh yeah um the books that i've recommended the most i really like the books about death so <laughs> <laughs> i i've recommended the heck out of uh, living life backwards by david gibson as well as tuesdays with maury have mm. you read that one i'm not but I've oh read it it is it's about a guy who's a professor that he gets disconnected from develops ALS and so he knows that he's going to die in a pretty horrific way and so his student that he's been disconnected from for a while uh, Mitch Album the writer uh, they decide that every Tuesday he's going to go visit him and they're just going to talk and it is it's a beautiful work of art that Mm -hmm. book and I think that another another thing that I've really been attracted to is the whole concept of really realizing that we could die at any point (laughs) not in the angsty way but in the way that goes okay and this is why i should be that much more grateful for life i was uh not too long ago i watched uh, like a day in the life video by lex friedman he has one of the most popular podcasts that's available right now and just a super super intelligent dude huge reader and very intentional about conversations and the research that he does is insane the time that he spends at a computer just learning about stuff and reading dry research papers is so admirable to me (laughs) it does not sound fun to me right now but i I really admire him for his determination in that and one of the things that he does daily is he wakes up and he runs through his daily mantra which is i think that he might think through some things that he's grateful for and then he also considers that I could die today, every single day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, like what a way to live life. And especially the books that I've read that have had the deepest impact on me. I think at the end of the day, they say that. Yeah. They say that you can die at any point, And so live well, 
you know? Yeah, there's a song from a musical mm-hmm. that kind of touches on that. And if anyone knows this musical, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> the rest of the musical is all sorts of crazy and is not as deep. But there's this one lyric in... Um, in this song where it goes, the question is tis, tis whether it's nobler in the mind to be well-liked but ineffectual or moral but maligned. Um, and then it also mm. takes a point at um, you're not going to be a, a hero because people are just going to twist whatever happens to, to write you out of it if they don't like you. Um, and then it goes, I forget exactly what it says, but it basically makes the point that... Um, what you do without people seeing is just as much a part of your legacy as the things that people see. Hmm. Um, and so it's really important to consider, especially with what you're talking about in I Could Die Today, is um, I think those two questions are, are really good. Is is it better to be well-liked and do nothing or to be moral and do something that people may not like? Mm-hmm. Or um, are the are the things that people don't see a part of your legacy too? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's really important to understand that the things you do without people watching are just as important as the things that you do. Because with without that wholeness, that, that sort of straight aim as a person, you you can get on into all sorts of like double thinking, double life kind of dilemmas really easily if you act one way. And then don't act that same way, mm-hmm. um, depending on who you're with or the situations you're in, or just to impress people. It's really it becomes really difficult to do, mm-hmm. um, and actually be like not just feeling like a fraud the entire time. Because mm-hmm. that's that's really how imposter syndrome kind of starts to creep in. Is the am I actually qualified to do this, or am I just pretending I'm qualified to do this mm-hmm. type of stuff? And so really getting that connection of is what I do without anyone looking the same thing I would do with people looking. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's an important thing to really grasp and, and start to hone in on. Mm -hmm. To turn our conversation just a little bit. I've got a question that I'm really excited to ask. Oh boy. Because I like asking questions like this, (laughs) but do you think that you do not do you, do you think that, there is such a thing as a harmful book. Now, I'm not talking about something that's blatantly sexually explicit or something along those lines. Yeah. But do you think that there is a book, like we, we've we heard the whole thing, you know, oh, Catcher in the Rye was what made that dude kill John Lennon or, <laughs> you know, oh, so-and-so's book made somebody do this, you know. Do you think that there is actually a harmful book harmful forms of written media uh that that is maybe objectively harmful and i think that that's a stupid question maybe because i think that uh the answer to that objectively is obviously no but at the same time i'm i'm i've heard a lot of people talk about the concept of harmful media that that is bad to take in and that you really need to watch yourself and so i'm interested to hear your thoughts on books that could potentially be harmful (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a it's a really good question it's one that i ask myself at the end of every read basically is what are the things in here that could be bad lessons Mm -hmm. um because i think you can draw good things out of pretty much any bit of media even if the media is garbage Mm -hmm. um because it's for me it's all about perspective um i think jordan peterson says this but a lot of people have said this for a really long time the things you focus on are the things you tend to replicate Mm-hmm. And so you want to just control your perspective when you're reading a book to make sure that you're pointing yourself in a direction, even if the book isn't pointing itself in a good direction, to not to either not do the things you think are bad or um, to, to pull back and pull out the things that are good, even if there are objectively bad things in it. Um, in terms of harmful media as a whole, I think you can definitely write something that is just bad advice Mm -hmm. 100% Uh, would I say that's harmful only if people take the advice Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where it sort of comes in is on an interpretive level I think you can make anything that you read watch listen to somewhat helpful it just becomes kind of an opportunity cost of was it worth the time investment to get this little tiny nugget of of good out of this bleh 
mm-hmm. read or whatever. Um, and so that that's a thing of like, while you're reading it, I've, I've had a couple books where I've read it and gone like, I don't really like where this is going. They don't seem to be aware that this is a bad thing. I don't think I'm going to learn much more than this other than that this writer thinks this is a good thing and didn't catch this. And uh, I'm kind of bored. So I put down the book. <laughs> uh-huh. um, actually, we had that moment with Harry Potter a little bit. Not, not the books, but the movies. Um, I was watching it and was like, that's a horrible thing to do. But I don't think the movie understands that that's a horrible thing to do. <laughs> oh, well. And I finished the rest of the movie series anyway. But there, there's those <laughs> moments where it's like... <laughs> Because I enjoyed them. Uh-huh. But um, it, it's just like, yeah, there's there's little bits here and there where you're like, I don't think you understand like the impli- the whole implications of that character making that decision. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? They completely do a 180 on what that established about their character because I don't think they were intentionally mm-hmm. trying to establish that aspect of that person's character. They were just trying to move something along and resolve a plot point. Um, but there's stuff like that in a lot of things where it's like, I don't think you quite understand... I don't, I don't think it's quite understood that this is not good mm-hmm. or, or the way of doing this is not good. Sort of like the ends justify the means mm-hmm. problems. Just because you reach a good ending doesn't mean the way you got there was also good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and it doesn't, you don't have to have righteous characters to have a good story, but you do, you do want to make sure that even when they do bad things, it's somewhat called out as like, hey, this isn't the best way to do this or mm-hmm. hey, this is an extreme situation. There was no other way to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have to do all sorts of like assessments as a writer as to whether or not this could be taken one way or another and try to protect from bad conclusions to to making the decision for characters to do something bad to then figure out it was bad. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's a lot of like... There's a lot of harm you can inflict to a reader who isn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. But I think that ultimately... The harm is dependent on the reader, not the author. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that the most dangerous kinds of books are the ones that... <laughs> yeah, and it, it definitely depends on the reader. But I think that the most dangerous thing that you can pick up from a book are are mindsets that reinforce that that belief of things along the lines of the ends justify the means because a lot of books have a lot of really high stakes critical moments that's like man well this has to happen you know that ring has got to go into mount mordor you know yeah so everything before this like whatever it is you know we could have killed some people or something along the way but at the end of the day that ring went into the fire and if that didn't happen then lots more people would have died so what then and so it's i think that it's a lot more of a sort of topic that gets discussed in the context of fabricated stories because the stakes tend to be higher to to grab readers and so but i think that that's interesting because you know what does that do when when, because people talk about books people talk about movies and the stories and and how they're impacted like i remember when uh infinity war was coming out and people were talking about how oh well thanos was right you know (laughs) (laughs) which really pissed me off but (laughs) it's like okay yeah you know you can't just you know make these crazy arguments just to annoy your friends and everything but what what kind of impact and i might be taking this a little bit too far but, (laughs) but what kind of impact does that actually have on your mind to be relating so much to these life and death scenarios and then because it happens whether you want to do it or not applying them to your own life you know what does me thinking that you know the ends justify the means in whatever scenario what does that do in my day-to-day life well where the stakes are a lot lower in my day-to-day life where i could die at any moment and it keeps going on probably a lot yeah (laughs) that mindset probably does some bad things to me yeah there's a lot of motifs about sacrifice in a lot of like in a lot of fantasy in a lot of like fiction books it's always like what do you give up to gain what Mm -hmm. and it's kind of this utilitarian perspective on power um of like do you get rid of this power temporarily to potentially get more power later do you like and that's in magic systems that's in like villains offering heroes deals Mm -hmm. that's in all sorts of things and of course you know the hero shouldn't but as soon as you look at, well, realistically, would I? Um, that That is where I've found some of the more scary conclusions of, like, 
I probably would take that deal mm -hmm. and just try to work around whatever bad thing. Um, and, and going like, is that bad? Mm -hmm. um, there's one instance, and this is the last time I'll bring up Harry Potter. They, he breaks a very important item mm -hmm. at, the, at the end of the books after everything's resolved at the end of the movie. Sorry, haven't read the books yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the movies. I'm going to get grilled for that. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I've done the same thing. But he, he, he breaks the thing. And um, everybody else was like, yeah. And I'm like, it's just a thing. Mm -hmm. It's just an item. It's a powerful item. Um, I probably wouldn't have broken it then. And his justification for breaking it is that bad things have been done with it. And I'm like, mm, fair enough, but mm -hmm. good things can now be done with it. So, like, the I wouldn't say the item is evil mm -hmm. because the item is just an item. Mm -hmm. What you do with the item is good or evil. And so my perspective on their justification for destroying the item was like, I mean, you can. It's not a bad decision necessarily, but the the reason why you're justifying the decision doesn't make sense because mm -hmm. you're saying the item's evil and it needs to be destroyed even though the reason why it was evil was already destroyed because mm -hmm. it would just be using been using by someone else mm -hmm. and so keep it maybe even fix the things that were broken with it earlier and then then you can break it then you can store it away you can do whatever with it it's an item and mm -hmm. so it, it was a really weird thing to kind of go like i don't know if i necessarily agree with that because it's just a thing. Now we can do good things with the thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of shooting yourself in the foot in the name of good. But, uh, and again, I'm not saying, oh, this was a horrible plot point, but it's just that thing of like, you need to understand the difference between things being done with a thing and the thing itself. I wonder, though, to push back against that a little bit, though, if the reason that he was breaking it was not because he saw the item as evil, but because he recognized his own capability for evil and the power of the item yeah. combined together. And I would have loved to hear that explanation. <laughs> I, I, I just didn't hear a good explanation uh -huh. for destroying it, which is why I was like, well, there are good reasons to do this. Mm -hmm. I just don't think the reason you gave is one of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, again... Just because it's a powerful item doesn't make it evil. Power is not evil. Power is more like a scientific law. Mm -hmm. It's a constant that can be used for good things or bad things. Mm -hmm. Gravity can kill people and gravity can save people. Uh, like, um, it's that sort of constant. And so you have to think through and, and put forth pretty solid reasons on the writing end of things to, to do, like, this is why this person is making this decision, even if that thing is a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, because at least on my end as a reader and as a writer, I want to know what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. that, that's half the perspective uh, of, of, of the reading itself, is like, what's going through their head to make this important decision? And even if I disagree with them, we can see the results and we can see what happens. Because in me starting to write things, I disagree with what my characters decide to do all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, it comes into like factors of like naivety and what other sort of altruistic beliefs exist. Mm -hmm. um, then again, I'm a weird person because I'm an optimist and a realist at the same time. <laughs> I'd like to ask one last question kind of to wrap us up here, which the time has absolutely flown. Oh yeah. But <laughs> how do you know when a book is dangerous for you or to the point that you should stop reading it or have you even reached that point with any book uh not a book specifically but i've reached mm -hmm. that point with um like movies and videos before mm -hmm. where i've kind of gone i agree with this and i shouldn't mm -hmm. this is bad um and i don't think that the author i don't think that the author is making the point that this is bad either mm -hmm. so i don't think if i get to the end of this i'm going to get something that will get me out of this mm -hmm. basically and I have had that situation before where it's kind of like, I don't know if I should continue watching this or, or listening to this because this is not a good way of thinking about things. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of, it, mostly YouTube content and people like just mm. flying their opinions out there. But it's things that like, oh, well, I agree with you that this is a problem. But everything you're saying around it is the wrong way to approach the problem. Mm -hmm. And I find myself starting to assimilate that idea about the problem more and more as I watch more of it. Because mm -hmm. I kind of agree and I kind of don't, so it's fascinating. Um, but 
ultimately there have been quite a few times where I've been like, I'm not watching any more of this because I, it's, I always get put in a bad headspace about this because I've been watching all of this. Mm. That, that's, that's happened to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tend to talk like the people I listen to a lot. So <laughs> if I listen to a lot of like Jordan Peterson or other very loud spoken, but also kind of harsh worded people, <laughs> I tend to drift more towards being loud spoken and using harsher words about things like stupid, uh, <laughs> absolute idiot. But right, Jordan uh, <laughs> Peterson, <laughs> <laughs> you're a moron. Uh, and then, and those aren't always good things to be the general way I approach things, calling people idiots and morons over things that are like tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, those have been the things where it's like you got to watch the way people say things because you you sometimes will start to mimic the same behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, how about you? I don't know that I've I don't think that I've ever reached that point with a book that I've been reading. The <laughs> growing up, it was always a little bit of a point of contention between my parents and myself because my standards for. Uh, <laughs> content were a lot different than theirs one of their favorite things to say was um i forget exactly how it went but it was along the lines of you you don't have to jump into a swamp to know that you don't want to be there <laughs> yes <laughs> or, or into the manure pie something like that mm-hmm. and i'm like ah oh, come on you know but how do you really know you know i've got to <laughs> i've got to swim in that manure for a little bit before i know <laughs> <laughs> But so I don't know. I, I and my standards are a lot different. I tend to be a lot more embracing of things that are a little bit more that, that some people would definitely consider potentially dangerous. I, I remember when the movie The Joker came out, which is one of my favorite movies, but a lot of people were really frightened by it because of how dark it was and how it puts you in line with the villain's perspective. But after watching that movie, it's one of my favorites, not because I love watching that movie. It's not a fun movie to watch. But I love that movie because it has given me so many good things to think about and so many good conversations. And I feel like they did that movie really well done where they don't make you want to be the Joker at the end. They make you take pity on the Joker at the end. And I think that there are a lot of people that we can see parallels to a personality like that and go, man, like watching that movie, it's like, okay, the Joker had so many off points. He could have spoken with his therapist. If his therapist had really cared, you know, she could have taken a couple steps that would have taken him off the ramp of killing that many people. If, if any of the people in his life, if the people on the bus, if the random strangers that he interacted with had demonstrated any ounce of care, it's like, okay, you can see a different outcome for the movie, but none of that happens. And it's really sad. But all that to say that, I think that movies like that that convey harsh truths can be very beneficial in in a discerning mind. And I don't think that they are for everyone. Like, I think that somebody who just watches a movie for the heck, sake of watching a movie and, and tends to be pretty impressionable, probably not the best movie for you. That that movie might be dangerous for you, you know? Probably. Because yeah. by the end you might think, man, the Joker, he goes from like this loser wimp to this guy who actually knows what's up, you know? <laughs> he realizes who he is and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> but that but that's that's a that's a take that you could take from that. Yeah. But and again, I think that that really depends on the mind that is consuming it. But so but then the the form of media that I have had that sort of realization of like, okay, pro- this probably isn't the best thing for me to be um, swimming in <laughs> is uh, music, um, which, it, and I listen to a lot of music. I really love music and I like a lot of different kinds of music, but there are some kinds of music, it's some specific artists and, and some specific songs that I listen to them quite a bit. And then the lyrics, I'll hear the lyrics. And then, you know, with the kind of music that I like, it's a little bit hard to uh, tell what the lyrics are when they're singing or screaming them. Yep. And so then, you know, you go back and you learn what they are. And it's like, man, like, you you want to be able to sing along and like, you know, because that's what like resonates. But at the same time, it's like what they're putting forth here is really not what I want in my life, you know, yeah. 
Like there's a there's a song that just has some absolutely sick you know riffs, some really awesome guitar and drums and vocals. The whole the whole thing is like it it hits so hard. But the the whole tone of the song is very dark. And one of the lyrics in it talks about sitting back and letting the devil in, <laughs> which you know, uh, not best life advice. Not not, not the best, best life advice, but they're definitely. And, and and I'm not at the point where I want to be taking in that that kind of messaging intentionally and embracing it. And so in situations like that, I think that it is important to go, okay, you know, there 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 is a line that should be drawn on things that bring me towards my darker tendencies, bring me towards the places that I know that I should not go, and that's where I need to stop. Yeah, and and I think that the same is true with books. If if there are situations like that for you, like, you know, don't ignore those things, but pay attention to them. But I I also think that there is my my, I think that the attitude that I really like to have in situations like this is one of exploration, and not looking for a demon behind every corner, but, uh, looking for looking for the beauty and looking for the lessons in the media that is in front of us. And not, not all media is going to point us in the right places because everyone's mind is different and every form of media is different. But to be cognizant of that and to be paying attention to it, I think that that's the best thing that you can do. Yeah, I just as like a last thing, I think it's just important to really curate like the music you listen to, what shows you decide to watch and why. Um, normally I give a show like two or three episodes to kind of establish kind of what's it, what it's about. Mm -hmm. And then I'll kind of go like, is this a thing I want to or not want to continue seeing the, the playing out of? Um, but, uh, it's just important to be, to be careful and mindful of the things you're listening to, um, what you're letting in the gates. Um, because, uh, if you're not intentional about what you're consuming, it will consume you basically, mm -hmm. um, because there's there's just a lot of things that can pop up randomly based on things that you're listening to or absorbing that don't necessarily make you do anything. It doesn't control your mind or anything, but it can steer your thoughts in dire one direction or another mm -hmm. pretty rapidly, and if you don't have a handle on that, that's uh, probably not the best situation to be in, mm -hmm. but, but yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, and we will see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.